the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. I'm sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. 
I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. There is nothing that you can do that will hinder faith and the operation of the Holy Spirit as much as self-assertiveness. The human spirit rising up and saying, I can do it. Wisdom, the strength, the self-sufficiency of the human heart and the human mind. It must be crucified. And this is where the fight is. This is the battle to become in reality, knowing that we are undone, insufficient, helpless in our own consciousness, thoroughly humbled before a mighty God. This must happen before we can receive what God wants to give us. We must come to a place of utter and complete abandonment of our mind, body, and soul to Jesus Christ. That's the battle. To begin to humble our hearts, to lay aside our self-sufficiency, to seek his face. Now, I want to share a story with you today. It's about a woman by the name of Hadessa. She is living with her cousin. She has lost her parents. I don't know how they died, but they're gone. And she was left without care as a child. And Mordecai took her in and adopted her as his own daughter. Now, Mordecai is a man of great wisdom. He's a man who is financially well off. He loves Hadessa. And he gives her an Egyptian name, Esther. Now, what's so exciting about the story of Esther, if you cut away all of the grandeur of her life, is you find a young woman who is able to totally abandon herself for the will of God. This is what you and I are called to do, to abandon ourselves, even our own lives, to the will of God. The Lord has said to me audibly, Wait upon the Lord. He said it sternly. Wait upon the Lord. It was a stern command. Wait upon the Lord. Well, hey, I'm not a man who likes to wait. I'm a man who likes to do and go and accomplish, be somebody. 
it's hard to go and accomplish and be somebody when all you're doing is waiting before God. I can tell you it takes time to be holy. Everything around me is rushing and hurrying and pushing. The Lord says, take time. Be holy. Well, she was coming to a point where Mordecai was going to try to find her a husband. She was at that age. He was very concerned because he did not want her to be taken by a Medo-Persian by force. He was in a foreign land where they've been slaves for years now. King Xerxes had taken the throne. He was a, a Persian. And he held a, a six-month display of his grandeur and his generosity for all of his military leaders, for all of his province commanders. It was a, a six-month time of consolidation of power and their recognizing his incredible wealth and power. At the end of that six months of party time for all of his generals and administrators, he held a seven-day banquet for just the people of Susa, his capital. And at some point during that week, he wanted to show off Vashti, his wife. Now, there are some who say she was probably going to have to come even with bare breasts to show off her beauty. Whatever the situation, she chose not to be looked upon as an object. She had a great deal of pride. And so she said, no, she did not want to be ogled by drunk men. She wanted her dignity. And so she said, no, I'm not coming. Never imagining that it would cost her her queenship. The king was livid, very angry ask advisors, what shall I do? And their advice was, replace her with someone who will meet your command and be subject to you and submit to you. And so the plan was put in place and they began to hold beauty contests to choose the most beautiful women throughout the entire emperor, empire and send them to Susa. And in the process of doing that, Esther was taken, probably taken by force. It was not optional. This was for the king. Well, you understand, when she is taken by force, she no longer has the opportunity to return to Israel to Judah, 
to Jerusalem. Instead, she is taken and placed in the harem of this wicked king. Now, it's interesting when you note that she then had an attitude not of bitterness or anger, as I'm sure many of the young women did, but instead she had a pleasant face. She was trusting in the God of her father's. She didn't know what would happen. As far as she was concerned, probably she would be a part of a harem for the rest of her life, and that would primarily be, if on occasion requested, to serve the sexual desires of the king. And the rest of her time would be spent in cleaning and custodial, even cooking duties in the palace. She was to be a slave in the kingdom of the Medo-Persians. Certainly not the life that she had dreamed of. Her life was being transformed. Now, before she could go to King Xerxes for him to try her out and see if he liked her, as compared to the other women that were being brought to him, <clears throat> Twelve months of beauty treatments were prescribed, six months with oil of myrrh, and six with perfumes, a year in preparation. Now, this was not a hurried process. Probably three to four years would pass before she's finally brought before the king. when it was her turn to go before the king for a night of the king trying out this woman to see if she was to be the queen. Remember, this, this whole harem is just the most beautiful women in the country, taken by force. And after she had spent the evening, the night, with the king, she would return to another part of the harem where she would no longer be a virgin. And she could not return to the king unless he asked for her by name. What, what I want you to see is she is losing all control of her life. She is utterly subject to the commands of others. That's a position that we Americans don't want anything to do with. We want, by the very nature that is built into us, to be in charge of our own lives. Esther was not in charge of her own life any longer. She listened to the advice of others and she dressed as he recommended, the head of the eunuchs. She was treated very kindly. He had shown her favor and moved her into the very best spot in the harem. He had given her servants 
women servants to help take care of her, seven women to help care for her clothing, her baths, her massages, what she was supposed to do. And so the scriptures tell us in the book of Esther, the second chapter, Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. She was taken to King Xerxes in the royal residence in the 10th month, the seventh year of his reign. Vashti was dismissed after three years of his reign. So it was at least four years before she finally went before the king. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Time passed by. You cannot be holy without taking time. Time away from your television. Time away from your internet. Time away from your games. Time away from your entertainment. Time away from pleasing yourself. It takes time to be holy. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any of the other women, and she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And then the king gave a great banquet Esther's banquet for all the nobles and officials. He proclaimed a holiday throughout the provinces and distributed gifts with royal liberality. Now, during this time, Mordecai, year after year, was every day walking past and even standing as close as possible to the fenced-in, walled-in court of the harem. He was eager for word about how his precious Esther was doing. Now, in the process, he would sit at the king's gate as he was able to, and there he heard two of the guards whispering to one another about how they were going to assassinate Xerxes, Darius the king. And he told Esther, I don't know how, but he got word to her. And she went to the, the authorities and it got to the king. In fact, the scriptures say, That, he would, that, that Esther reported this to the king, maybe in bed. She was now his wife. And she gave the credit to Mordecai. Well, they investigated and found that it was true that they were planning to assassinate the king and they were executed. Now, after this, Haman began to take front and center place. And Haman is an agite, a, a bitter enemy of 
all Jewish people. Now, please, I'm, I'm not primarily interested in the story, even though it's a fascinating and wonderful, entertaining story. It's one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. Mordecai would not bow down as the king had commanded and honor Haman as though he were someone important. Mordecai knew that he was a bitter enemy and he would not show him reverence. And so the officials at the king's gate asked Haman, is it okay with you that Mordecai doesn't bow his knee to you? Haman was enraged, and he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, he said, I'm going to find a way to destroy Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. Well, in the 12th year of King Xerxes, now remember, uh, the 12th year, that would be the ninth year of Esther being taken. She is now the queen. Haman goes to King Xerxes and says, there's a certain people that are not good for you or your kingdom. They're different from all the other people. They don't obey the king's laws. It's not in your best interest, king, to to keep these people around. Let me kill them all. And he offers to give 350 tons out of his personal treasury of silver. 350 tons to pay for the execution of all of the Jews. Now all of this is setting up the circumstances outside of Esther's control or power that will test her to the very limit And the question is, will she abandon herself, give up her life for her people and for her God? She has a a cushy position. She has a, a powerful position. She has the ear of the king of the most powerful empire in the world. Now, she doesn't get to go to him when she chooses. He has to call her. And it's been 30 days since she has seen the king in person. So the order is sent out all over the nations to annihilate the Jews on a certain day, all the men, women, and children, and to plunder all of their belongings to take it for themselves. When Mordecai learned about this, he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth and ashes on his head, and he went out into the city wailing, crying loudly and bitterly. He could only go as far as the king's gate, however. He could not get to Queen Esther. He was not allowed in because 
sackcloth and ashes were not allowed in the presence of the king. So Esther's maids and the eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, and she was very, very distressed. She sent clothes for him to put on so he could come in through the king's gate. But he said no. So Esther summoned one of the trusted eunuchs and said, Go find out what's happening with Mordecai. Mordecai told the eunuch everything that he knew, including giving him a copy of the order for the destruction of all of God's people. And he said, Ask Esther to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and to plead for the Jewish people. Well, she told him to go back and tell Mordecai all the king's officials and the people of the royal province know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, and that is to put that person to death. The only exception to this law is that the king can extend the golden scepter and spare the life. But 30 days have passed since I've been called to go see the king. Now, I want you to get the picture. There's a grave crisis for God's people. And Mordecai is asking her to risk her life to abandon her life for the sake of God's people. Well, Mordecai answered, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's house will perish And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Who knows but what you have come to the place that you are in, in the company you work for, to the retirement you are in, the position you are in in life. Who knows but what you have come to this place to go before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and intercede for the people of God. And to do that, you're going to have to give up all self-assertiveness. You're going to have to give up the human spirit of I can do it, I'm somebody, I can survive, of self-sufficiency, I can make it on my own. I can hear some of you already saying, Pastor, if I don't take care of me, who's going to take care of me? You don't believe God's there. You don't believe God is actually there to take care of you and to hear your petition and your cry. When you do pray, do you pray just about your sore arm, or the cancer? Or do you pray about 
needing money, deliverance for you and yours? Or do you have the courage to go before God, to humble your heart, to abandon yourself entirely and pray for what is on God's heart? Or are you too busy watching your shows? Are you too busy living your life? Are you too busy with your hobbies? Are you too busy Are you rushing on with the world and getting nowhere with God? You don't get somewhere with God with intellectual knowledge. You don't get somewhere with God by gaining new information from the scriptures. You get somewhere with God by abandoning yourself to him and humbling your heart, and acknowledge that you have no authority or power to change what's happening in this nation or in the church. And you begin to cry out for men and women, for their salvation. You begin to feel the reality that others are going to die if you cannot reach the throne of God for them. You must become utterly helpless in your own sense of ability. Tell me, have you been able to cure that sickness in your body? Have you been able to gain that Money that you so desperately said you wanted, you wanted to live rich and retire happy. Have you been able to do that? Some of you have, and you're filled with your own worldly stuff. You just want to travel and enjoy the good life while you have it before you die. Well, what's going to happen when you die? You're going to go to hell. Queen Esther had to face the reality that she was going to have to become totally abandoned to a mission that could cost her her life. So Queen Esther sent a message back to Mordecai saying, all right, I'll do what you say, but I'm going to have to use three days for fasting and for prayer. No food or water for three days. Well, what would happen in those three days? she would come to a very clear sense of her own utter helplessness because her body would weaken. She would feel the great urge to drink. 
she would be faced with the own with her own fallibility do not eat or drink for 3 days I and my maids will fast as you do, and with this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Do you understand? That's the same position that you and I must take with the living God of heaven. A total end of all self-sufficiency, a total end of all pride and arrogance, a total end of our strength. and our control. This is called in the scriptures in John the sixth chapter, crucifixion. When Jesus was crucified on that cross, he was stripped naked. And then he was put up on that cross and nailed to it with his arms spread wide He had no ability to protect himself. He was to die of exposure, of the wounds that had been inflicted, deep wounds, bloody wounds on his back, now against that rough timber that he was pinned to with nails, his feet nailed. He would die of Suffocation. But before Jesus died of his wounds or of suffocation, he died of a broken heart. His heart was broken because of the sin, my sin and your sin. He died of a broken heart. Because he saw the consequences of our wickedness and our pride and our arrogance. He utterly humbled himself and died on that cross, stripped high and wide, shamed, with no sin. He did nothing wrong. He just loved the human person. He poured out his heart for us. He was killed in place of a hideous man, Barabbas, who was a murderer. He died of a broken heart. And now Queen Esther is saying, Okay, I will humble my heart. I am the queen. I am now somebody. I now have servants and I have money and I have power. I have everything. I give it all up. I walk away from it. I become a lawbreaker. And the king has the right and may very well execute me. On the third day, Esther, put on her royal robes. I want you to put on your royal robe. I want you to put on 
righteous actions of a godly man or woman. So that when you go before the king, he will receive you. When you bumble into the prayer closet with your casualness, with your ignorance, with your arrogance, with your self-assertiveness, with your assurance that you're somebody and God loves you, you're going to die. Your petition will not be heard and you will be, you will be killed. You will not survive. The God we serve is holy and righteous and mighty and he doesn't play games. He died for you. And so she went in and she humbly stood in the court. I'm sure many tried to dissuade her because they knew the risk she was taking. But he, she shook her head, no. She waited, and I'm sure she had a smile on her face. Esther had a sweet, sweet spirit. She abandoned herself for her people, but she did not do that with a frown and in anger and in bitterness. She did it with a sweet, sweet spirit. these very simple words he saw Queen Esther he was pleased with her he was pleased with her and he held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand and Esther approached and touched the tip of the of the scepter and I'm sure the the authorities were all saying, wow, he loves Esther. Nobody could have gotten away with this but Esther. What is it, Queen Esther? He spoke with such kindness. Oh, I want to hear my father say, what is it, Ray? I want him to look upon me and be pleased and hold out the gold scepter to me and say, what is it, Ray? What is your request? And the king said up to half the kingdom, just ask, it'll be given to you. And Esther replied, if it, if it pleases the king, let the king together with Haman come tomorrow or today to a banquet I've prepared for him. Come and eat with me, king. I can tell you now that when you go before the Lord, be quiet about your, your request and say, Lord, could I just have some time with you? I just want some fellowship time with you. Could we have that together, Lord? 
No, we Americans, we're just going to blurt out. Haman is going to wrong me and my people. And, and this can't happen, king. And I need you to do something about it. She would have been killed. Remember I said at the beginning? It takes time to be holy. And the self-assertive spirit of pride has to be put away. We have to be humble, gentle, take time to be with the Lord, read his scriptures, pray and meditate. I had such a joyous time this morning. I spent the morning in time with Jesus. Such a sense of his presence. I don't blurt out demands of God when I spend time with him because the first and foremost thing I want with God is close fellowship, intimacy, love. Try, if you're married, going into the bedroom with your wife or your husband and and before you even embrace her, him before you even kiss or touch tell him all the things that you want from him that are wrong I tell you what you will totally destroy the evening and you will end in a major fight so we're so arrogant so proud so demanding so the king took Haman and they went to the queen's palace and there they enjoyed a wonderful meal. And then as they were drinking wine after the meal, the king again asked Esther, what is your petition? What do you want? It'll be given to you. I'll, I'll do all you ask. Now, you would think she would say, well, this is what I need, king. We Americans, we're in a hurry. We don't have time. Esther replied. This is Esther, the fifth chapter, verse 7. My, t- my petition and my request is this. If the king regards me with favor and, is, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and to fulfill my request, let the king and Haman... Come tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for them. And then I will answer the king's question. Do you see how kindly, how humbly she treated the king of kings for her, the monarch? Can we treat Jesus any less with love and respect and tenderness? He is the king of the universe. We don't just bumble into his presence and say, I need this and this and this and this. No, that grieves the Holy Spirit and he leaves us. You're going to have to forget about yourself and you're going to have to abandon yourself knowing that you may die. 
knowing that you do not have the power to save yourself. You do not have the power to provide for yourself. That all that you have and all that you are has come from the hand of Almighty God. And so you come humbly and gently into his presence. You don't give him a to-do list. You don't give him a list of demands. You come recognizing that he is the all-sufficient King of kings and Lord of your life and the lover of your soul. Can you do anything but come and love him back? Haman went away very happy. You know this story. And he talked to his friends, and they all recommended that he build a gallows and have Haman hung on it. But that night, the God of heaven stepped in. Now, please, please hear me. When you approach the Lord the way I'm describing, and you humble your heart before him, he will begin to step into your life in ways you never could have imagined. He will provide for you in ways you could never have imagined. He will step in to the bitter places in your heart and begin to work miracles that you could never have thought of a way to provide for yourself. king remembers after listening to the reading of his servant that Mordecai had saved his life and so Haman is outside and he's called in and the king tells him to take the man he wishes to honor Mordecai and take him around the city and shout this is what the king does for a man he wants to honor Haman is utterly shamed. He rushes home. He tells his family. His wife says, you don't have a chance. You cannot survive this, Haman. And indeed, he could not survive this. They came for him for the banquet. And Queen Esther answers finally the king's request. Can I tell you something I'm learning? I'm learning to wait until the Lord asks me, Ray, what would you like from me? To love him, to worship him, to humble myself until he says, what can I do for you, Ray? And then it's not for something selfish. It's the petition to spare God's people. Telling the king that you've been sold for destruction and slaughter and annihilation. And 
And Xerxes answers, Who is he? Where is the man who dares to do such a thing? And Esther says, The adversary and enemy is this vile Haman. Well, Haman is soon swinging from the gallows that he had built for Mordecai. And Xerxes gives Queen Esther the estate of Haman. Mordecai is brought into the presence of the king as he now understands the relationship between his queen and Mordecai. The king takes off his signet ring and gives it to Mordecai. And he becomes second in command, becomes more and more powerful. And all that Haman had is now given the 350 tons of silver and the gold, the estate, the properties, everything is given to Mordecai. And then they completely create a triumph for God's people over those who would try to destroy the Jewish people. The United States had better be very careful about trying to tell the Jewish people that they must give up their claim to, to Jerusalem. It is God's city. They are God's people. They still are God's people. And if you've read Romans, the ninth chapter, and if you've read the book of Revelation, you know that God has not rejected the Jews, and he will he will save a remnant of the Jewish people. They are his people. He loves them. And Jerusalem is his city. Zion is his mountain. And he is jealous for it. Well, I want to close today. And I want to ask you, are you prepared to abandon yourself to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Are you willing to humble your heart? Are you willing to spend the time that it takes to be holy? Are you willing to give up your demands? Are you willing to just spend time with Jesus and love him until he asks you, what can I do for you? Lord, I, I need to be healed of this disease. Lord, I need these family members to be brought into the kingdom of heaven. Lord, I, I need my heart to be changed. And the Lord will do it for you. It's time to give up your demands of God and of every other person. It's time to humble your heart before a mighty God. It's time to give up your self-assertiveness and your opinions. And I tell you, I am heart sick at my opinions and the opinions of people. I don't care what the opinion of man is. I care what God believes and what God wants. My Father, my Lord, 
I care what he says. I abandon myself to him. Even if it costs me my life, I abandon myself to Jesus. I will not walk in self-assertiveness. I will walk humbly before him. I will invite him to banquet with me. And I will I will banquet on the flesh and the blood of Jesus Christ. He is everything to me. Well, that's it for our time today. I praise God for you. I ask, Lord, that he would meet you today. Please, you can write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I thank those of you who have already begun to give for this month's radio cost. I don't ask for anything for me. I ask for the cost of the radio broadcast. Would you help me pay for this broadcast? Thank you for your sacrifice. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com, and there you'll find this YouTube video and many others. Subscribe to our channel if you haven't. It will help us spread this message. I hope today's been helpful to you. I'd be interested in your feedback. I love you. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Hi, I'm Al. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.